0: Welcome to Beyond the Minimum, where we'll be exploring the world of work. We'll be chatting about concepts, ideas, and phrases, explore practices, and delve into what good looks like. Work can be purposeful, value-led, and more meaningful to all who interact with the workplace. This podcast is brought to you by Tanya Hewitt, who lives in unceded Algonquin Anishabe territory, otherwise known as Ottawa, Ontario, Canada.
1: Hi, everyone. I watch a public affairs program that people respond to saying that how can they help with the issues that they discuss on the show? A lot of these issues are large issues. This particular one was considering water and A lot of the discussion was at a very high level, governments and corporations and organizations, etc. When the host had asked one of the panelists, what can individuals do regarding water? She responded, individuals should establish and or renew their relationship with water. For example people can become curious as to where their water comes from and also as curious as to where their water goes. So that was a fantastic answer, according to another panelist who had said that typically people say, well, my water comes from the tap and it goes down the drain and that's the end of it. The challenge posed was to get beyond just that. Figure out where your water actually comes from and where your water goes. Specifically, we do have control over what we put in our water. Things like dental floss, things like pharmaceuticals are inappropriate to be putting in wastewater. Wastewater, as many of you may know, is a key indicator for where at least Ontario is in its measurement of COVID-19. Now that we're, you know, two years plus into this pandemic, and the wastewater has been very, very helpful for epidemiologists to understand the distribution of this virus in the community. That is, of course, through, you know, bodily fluids, not through detergents or shampoos or cleaning agents that do get into our water system, which might actually cause harm to our water supply. So I would encourage you to, number one, find out where your water comes from. That might be really instructive in order to be able to get a better appreciation for how precious a resource this really is. And number two, take a look at what things you might be putting into the water supply through your wastewater that you can control in order to not destroy our water systems.
0: Today's episode is expanding our vocabulary.
2: Hi, everyone. Today's new vocabulary is hindsight bias. It is the most important bias to be aware of for accident investigators. This is to be understood in conjunction with a few other episodes that I have released. Specifically, the Local Rationality Principle, which was released on April 7th, 2022, and the Fundamental Attribution Error, which was released on April 21st, 2022. So if you haven't listened to those, this particular concept might not be as easily understood because it depends upon the understanding of the Local Rationality Principle, again, April 7th, 2022, and the Fundamental Attribution Error on April 21st, 2022. Of course, you could just Google these terms as well if you don't want to listen to these previous episodes. But just a reminder that Choiceology is the best podcast to listen to for a description of all sorts of biases, and I'll put their podcast in the show notes. So hindsight bias is typically employed after something has gone wrongly. Like a valve was turned the wrong way or the wrong valve was turned. An incorrect substance was added to a mixture. A poor decision was made. You get the idea. It's these kinds of things. And hindsight bias often describes frontline activities. So, you know, a misadministered drug, we'd often be looking at a nurse a wrong valve turned, we'd often be looking at somebody on the shop floor doing maintenance, etc. Hindsight bias is almost always an outside observer coming into a situation. That's the description that's given to the outside observer, like a root cause analyst, an accident investigator, somebody who is not involved in the incident that we're looking at or the event that we're looking at. Hindsight is in our common lexicon through the phrase, hindsight is 20-20 vision. And in a webinar I was on recently, a phrase that I came across was, we worship hindsight and we distrust foresight. Things in the past have happened. And with this worship of hindsight that we have, when we come across the event that we have been asked to look at, we see the outcome. We know the end of the story. The investigator is there because something bad happened in the first place. But we need to keep the local rationality principle and the fundamental attribution error top of mind when looking at something that has happened, especially if it is something bad that has happened, and especially if the severity is large. So, Richard Cook had an awesome graphic describing hindsight bias. I'll see if I can share it with you in the show notes, whereby a health practitioner is shown twice, once on the left-hand side and once on the right-hand side. On the left-hand side, it's before the decision was taken. And you can see the thought bubble of the the health practitioner. And there's all sorts of different pathways that could be selected. On the right-hand side, it's after the wrong decision was made. And you can see that the thought process is now uber clear. All of the other possibilities are grayed out, and there's just one pathway to the outcome. And I can remember Richard Cook saying that when you're employing hindsight bias, you are in the wrong frame of reference. You are on the right-hand side of this graphic. And what you need to do is put yourself on the left-hand side of this graphic. You'll know that you are in the wrong frame of reference when you hear yourself using counterfactual language to describe what is in front of you things like, well, if only he had done this, or she should have done that. That kind of counterfactual language describes a fiction that did not occur. And it doesn't get us any closer to understanding what did occur. If we are going to fight hindsight bias, we need to be aware of a couple of things. Number one, it takes energy and deliberate effort to change our frame of reference from after an accident to before the accident, when decision paths are anything but clear. And number two, the seduction of a counterfactual hindsight bias explanation is very strong because it simplifies things. It's, it's easier Because the oversimplification of this counterfactual informed report is just easier to write than diving into the messiness of what actually happened and giving justice to the complexity of the situation. So hindsight bias is pervasive, but that doesn't mean it's good. And as with anything, recognizing is the first step in addressing it. So, to fight the strong temptations to fall prey to hindsight bias, try as best as possible to withhold judgment for as long as you possibly can, and lead with curiosity try as best as possible to put yourself into the frame of reference of before the accident, being as charitable as you can to the person whose actions are likely being judged very harshly in the aftermath of an event. And if you can, try not to even know the outcome, especially If it's a severe outcome, see if you can shield yourself, block off the outcome while you're doing this, while you're looking at what happened. And this alone could put you on a hindsight bias path of not being very careful. If you know the outcome, know that it's a big deal, that alone is going to push you towards a hindsight-bias-informed investigation. Again, this is not easy, but it. life is not easy, I think, as we all know. And trying to not fall prey to hindsight-bias is probably one of the best things we can do when we are asked to weigh in on something that hasn't gone very well. So try to keep the local rationality principle and the fundamental attribution error top of mind and withhold judgment and lead with curiosity. Those would be my takeaway points. So it's not easy to not fall prey to the hindsight bias, but it is so very much worth it. I thank you for listening I don't know if this is your first episode or if you were a regular listener, having really appreciated some of this content. I just wanted to tell you that I really do appreciate you for listening. If you would like to express your gratitude for this podcast, I would encourage you to buy me a coffee. Head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash Tanya H, that's buy, b u y me, M-E-A, coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, all one word, dot com, slash, T-A-N-Y-A-H, Tanya H. I will put this in the show notes, and I would really sincerely appreciate your support. In addition to that, you can rate and review this podcast, And I really, really appreciate that you are here listening to what I am sending out to you guys. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Minimum with Tanya Hewitt. We hope this episode aligned with you. Maybe it was diametrically opposed to you, but at any rate, we trust it made you think. The more we can think about our workplaces and start talking about them, the more we can collectively make a real difference. If you're living in Canada, please find out the indigenous territory in which you reside, and begin using it to introduce yourself. Please reach out to Tanya through her email, tanya at beyondsafetycompliance.ca. Connect and chat with her on LinkedIn, follow her company Beyond Safety Compliance, and remember to ask yourself the question, how does your work look? Because we can always go beyond the minimum.